traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. The end is finally here, but is it the end we were expecting? I don't know what we were expecting, to be honest, so I've brought a friend who's been here from the beginning to try and decipher this final episode of Twilight Zone 2019, and that is Brandon Shea Mutala. Brandon, how's it going, man? Good, and you know what, Tom? I've been here all along, in the background. I thought I saw someone back there, man. I think we left Zach on Mars, though. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. Thank goodness. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> you know, it's it's not really a blurry man. It's more of like this blurry blob that's been in the background. But I've been there. I've been there in spirit the whole time. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, it was the first episode, or the second episode, I guess, when you were last on. What have you done one in between? I can't remember. No, I haven't. I've submitted. I've submitted feedback, but uh, yeah. I haven't been on any episodes yet. I, I would normally ask someone what they think of the season so far since they were last on and stuff but i think in your case maybe we'll just do a wrap up at the end of what we think of the season as a whole you know it's high points low points whatever we want to say so we'll mm-hmm. do that at the end sound good mm-hmm. absolutely i think it sounds great so it's time to sharpen our focus on the blurry man first broadcast on the 30th of may 2019 written by alex rubens and directed by simon kimberg Now, Brandon, normally I would read a bit of a synopsis here that I've prepared, but to be honest, I I don't think I can write that synopsis, man, because where would it go? I really don't know. Everyone's seen the episode. If you're here, you've seen the episode. So I think we'll just get into this one. There comes a point in the beginning of this episode, and we'll sort of compartmentalize things a bit, but we're watching it. Okay, so far, so Twilight Zone. Seth Rogen is a writer. He writes a thing, he looks out the window, that thing happens. You know, quite typical Twilight Zone, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And then, all of a sudden, Jordan Peele's doing his opening narration, and everything changes. It's not like everything changes for this episode, it's everything changes, really, for the season. Mm -hmm. What was going through your head at this time? What was your reaction? What were you thinking? Um, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. This is really kind of cool. I was not expecting this. This was definitely not something that was spoiled in the teasers at all. So mm. it really surprised me, which I really enjoyed, you know, and I don't personally mind a story like this. I think they're kind of creative. I mean, I go back to, as soon as this started happening, I instantly thought of one of my favorite entries in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and that's Wes Craven's new Nightmare. You know, mm. I like these kind of stories where it takes place in the real world, quote unquote, and involving the real people. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Let's, let's go with this. This is neat. Um, I don't know. So it, 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 I didn't have a problem with it right from the get go. I thought uh-huh. this was cool. I'm like, this is great. I think for me, maybe I'm, maybe it's because I do this. I watch the episodes, but also in the back of my head, there's a little voice or a little kind of awareness, maybe of what are the audience going to think of this? What's the wider audience going to think of this? Mm -hmm. And I was watching it, and I thought, okay, (laughs) we just set up this season. 
with, you know, the interconnectedness, the 1015s, the this, the that, you know, uh, the magazine and the shop on Nightmare of 30,000 Feet with the comedian on this, this connected universe. How are people going to feel about that? That, that was my thought. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly didn't know what to think at this point in the episode because this is a gamble. Are people just going to really hate this because they've got to do something good here? Otherwise, you're probably just going to lose everyone, you know, because this has been setting up. I remember at the beginning, we recorded a, a little clip where you said what your prediction for mm-hmm. uh, the season was. It's probably not worth playing now because I think throughout the season, we've all spoke about it anyway, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, the, the interconnectedness and... And your guess was that the Avengers were going to be in the final episode and they were... <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, but, I mean, we spoke about the, the interconnectedness throughout it, so I don't think I don't think you were spoiling anything in that clip because it kind of became apparent anyway, didn't it? Right, right. Yeah, pretty quickly it did. It was just that everything was interconnected in some way. And mm-hmm. I had... I, I don't know if I'd said it on the Nightmare at 30,000 Feet episode or not, but I thought that there was going to be that everything takes place in the same universe, for, which for the most most part you can get away with i mean i think mm-hmm. there was an episode that zach was on and he's like you know the war and mission to mars could have been set up by oliver like all these little things could be and i'm like yeah okay yeah. that's kind of cool and I, almost that would have been cool if it had played out that way but you know you mentioned the um you mentioned the re- responses to people on social media and how are people going to react to this. And it's it's so tough mm-hmm. nowadays because, you know, social media is so polarizing. But I didn't notice anything different in this one. Like, the first thing that I expect, I don't know if we can just jump right to the end. Uh, depends what you want to say. <laughs> about... Okay, about who the blurry man is. I don't know, like... Okay. I was expecting some more comments on that. Mm. And I didn't see any, actually. I was, that's what, when that happened, I'm like, that's going to be controversial, but I actually uh-huh. didn't even see any comments at all on it. So the reaction has not been what I expected either, because there's kind of different groups, really. There's people like me and you, and we converse quite a bit behind the scenes and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Then there's like the Twilight Zone podcast audience, a lot of whom I'm very sort of interactive with. And then there's the kind of wider audience as well. You know, I thought the fact that everything just changed mm-hmm. would be more controversial, and people would be like, "You can't do that. We've you've set it all up for the the whole season." But it, it doesn't seem to have been, which is is really surprising. Right. See, now I don't I don't take this as maybe you're seeing it on a different level than I am, but I don't take this as like wiping anything out or making any of the previous nine irrelevant because at some point I'm bad with names. I'm sorry, but the woman Mm. in this episode goes into the twilight zone at some point in this episode, because the TVs that she's looking at that are all like crazy and stuff when she goes up to them Uh and it starts showing the clip of the blurry man in the previous episodes, those are Whipple TVs. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, So in my interpretation, at some point she enters the twilight zone. Whether that's mm-hmm. like some, I don't know, wh- however you want to comprehend that in your mind, whether she went through a wormhole at some point, she walked through some subspace anomaly, I don't know. But at some point, she actually physically went into the Twilight Zone is how I read this. It's interesting because th- there's a point where that possibly happens, but I don't know. I, I think I, I've watched this episode three times now, and, and I think there's still more that I need to mine from it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it it was a nice surprise that people seem to have gone with it. I, w- I was surprised that they would. In most of the communication I've seen, people seem to really go with that. And mm-hmm. and I 
I like the fact that this episode is the twist ending to the whole season. You know, it's not like an episode with a twist ending. The whole season has a twist ending. And I think that was quite brave and quite an ambitious thing to do. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough to talk about this because you know, I liked the episode a lot. I really did. However, mm. I don't I don't think that this was a brave choice, and it's going to be hard to talk about that. So we might need to put that on the back burner for now because okay. it involves talking about the entire episode on a whole, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know when you want to get into that. So you're the guide on this. You're you're my uh, you're my guide on this voyage here. So when I've got some questions about this and some why did they do some of the things that they did in this episode, and. Okay. So maybe we do, we discuss the episode as a whole and come back to it. To be honest, I think we're going to be all over the place on this one. So you know, maybe we'll talk about the the final reveal. But at the okay, the final reveal is it's Rod sailing. We'll mm-hmm. we'll maybe talk about how we feel about that at the end. But anything else is fair game. Can I predict what I think you might be talking about? Please, let's see. Okay, throughout the episode, Sophie is having this experience. The Blairy Man keeps showing up. It's kind of like a horror movie type situation. He keeps mm-hmm. showing up. You know, things are flying around. Is, is one of the questions you have, why, if that is Rod Sailing, why is he being so violent towards Sophie with stuff flying at her? Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that. I'm like, I do have the questions. If this is Rod Serling, why is he tossing books and flipping tables? I don't get that one. Uh-huh, so, but that's uh-huh. not the other part that I had. That's not the actually. That is not the big issue that I had with the reveal of being Rod Serling. And again, I don't have an issue with it being Rod Serling. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. But my problem is, at this point in the show, you've pretty much got two people watching this show. You've got the people that like what you're doing, see what you're doing, and understand what you're doing, and you've got people that are rage-watching this show and just want to watch it so they can go on social media and scream. So you've got, <laughs> yeah. so you've now revealed, so to me, my interpretation of this episode is they are talking about their own show and saying, this is the Twilight Zone, and if you don't see Rod Serling in this... Okay, you're not looking hard enough because he's there and he's been there the whole time. So you've either got people that you don't have to convince watching this Mm. show or you've got people that you will never convince watching this show. So for me, for them to have to take a full episode to say, this is the Twilight Zone and if you don't see it, you're not looking hard enough. To me, that is a waste. Hmm. See, I have a totally different interpretation of it. Okay, let's tackle the violence with books and that flying at Sophie. Because I think it's part and parcel of how I see it. Mm -hmm. She is the embodiment of the writers. You know, she is the writers, Mm -hmm. all of them, just personified in one person. And the big fear with doing something like this is that you're always going to be haunted by Rod Serling. He's always going to be in the back of your mind. You're, You're trying to write a script... And it's sailing is always in the back of your head. Would Rod do this? Is it good enough for Rod sailing? You know, that is the theme for me that she is the haunted writer. She is haunted by Rod sailing. Now, if I try and justify why the violence was happening, the stuff flying at her and so on, it's because possibly that is her psyche. You know, she is so intimidated by this this thing, the the ghost of Rod Sailing, if you like, that she's it's almost like she's running from it, you know? That might be trying to justify uh, 
that troublesome aspect of the show, the, the sort of things being thrown. I'm not 100% on that part. Mm-hmm. But to me, the episode is about, you know, we're, we're making this show. We're trying to live up to Rod Sailing. We're, we're doing our best, you know. But can, can we ever really be good enough? I don't really see it as Rod Sailing's in this, but if you don't see it, you're just not looking hard enough. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I like what you're saying, and that actually does help. But the problem that I have with that is the kind of the opening scene where she's sitting there talking with Jordan Peele, and mm. she says, "The Twilight Zone when I was a kid was campfire stories, but it was more than that, and they had Rod Serling there to elevate it." Rod mm-hmm. Serling's dialogue, and it almost seemed, and and Jordan Peele sitting there saying, "Well, can't it be both?" And to me, that's what she was already saying, is that it's art and it's entertainment. It is both. She's just saying Rod Serling was there to elevate it. You know, I'll admit, look, I I don't know if I'm about to just declare my complete incompetence, but as a (laughs) full-grown man, I still have trouble understanding a lot of Rod Serling's narration, right? Because he talks in this flowing way and he like, he broad strokes the episodes and stuff like this. Maybe I'm dumb. I don't know, but I still have trouble with Rod Serling's narration. It's not that I don't like it. It's just that he's talking in such broad strokes a lot of the time, right? That it's like, it, it's hard to focus on what exactly he just said. Do you, I don't know, do you have that problem or is that just me? I don't know. If I'm not paying attention, it's like, yeah, what what did he just say? I don't I don't know. Sometimes it's more clear, sometimes it's not. I'm, I'm a bit all over the place with it. Um, but I, I can honestly say I've never really given it much thought until now. Yeah, so like, but that's what she's saying. She's like, look, I want this to, to to me, her initial dialogue with Jordan Peele is like, look, I want this to be more than just a campfire story because the the Mm -hmm. Twilight Zone can be more than, is that, how are your interpretation of the original scene there where she's talking with Jordan? What are they trying to say? Because to me, it's like she is fighting for something better. I don't know. Well, I think for me, it is because in that conversation, you know, she's saying, what is the Twilight Zone? When did we get to the Twilight Zone? That was what she used to think when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. She was saying that when she was a child, it was, and I've said this myself on the show, when she was a child, it was, it was all about, you know, the, the scary stories, the science fiction, blah, blah, blah. It was the sort of magical aspect of it. But then she's saying, Rod Sailing came into every episode to remind us that it isn't some sci-fi alternate dimension. What's important is the message. Now, I think what the episode is telling us is it's not just about the message, which sort of ties into the whole meta aspect of the show, because the conversation all throughout this season has been, is it too on the nose? And even even Jordan Peele uses the phrase on the nose at one point to describe one of his opening narrations. Mm-hmm. Is it too on the nose? Is the message too much at the forefront? It's strange, but now they presented us with this character of Sophie, the writer, who's saying, okay, no, she's almost dismissive of the science fiction aspect. It's not about that. It's about the message. And that's the kind of point of Rod Sailing coming at the end mm-hmm. to say, no, 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 it's not just about the message. You know, you've got to hold on to that childlike kind of wonder that you had about the Twilight Zone. So once we realize that, 
that kind of throws all the the episodes in the season in in this in this strange light that I can't really get my head around. Right, because there's nothing childlike about these episodes that they've addressed the previous nine episodes. Right, they're, if that's what they're trying to say, then they haven't done that in these nine episodes. Well, what they've done in this the nine episodes, they've they've created the very adult orientated uh, right. Twilight Zone, haven't they? Yes. Um, so it's almost like now we see why, because the writer is Sophie, and she's kind of forgotten the childlike wonder of the Twilight Zone. So then Rod Sailing comes to to kind of say, "Hold on a minute, you're, you're forgetting this aspect because it's an important aspect." In a strange way, that's saying you've got the Twilight Zone wrong for these nine episodes. Yes. <laughs> it is. And I'm like, okay, it's, they clearly, I mean, we all know this. This episode was completed before the first episode aired, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they, they, they built up the season and they did this in this way to lead up to this point. And honestly, if the blurry man's in the previous nine episodes, I don't, I don't care. I'm sure he is. I'm not going to go back and look for him because I just don't care enough to, to go back and see if they, they put that little Easter egg throughout. I mean, if I catch it on a rewatch, fine, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as well as, you and I were messaging, and at some point I said, look, I've just stopped looking for other Twilight Zone references because there's just too damn many of them, and it's distracting mm-hmm. me from the story. I don't want to look for any more Twilight Zone because there's just there's too much. I just want to watch the show, yeah. right? So, like, I'm not going to go back and rewatch this simply to look for the Blurry Man because I just don't care, right, if uh-huh. he's there or not. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, So, for them to go make these nine episodes that are, like, extremely adult-oriented, lots of foul language, mature topics, right? To the point where I couldn't even show one of them to my kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then to say, wait a minute, you're getting it wrong? But that can't be what they're trying to tell us. That can't be, but that's what, that's what we're pulling out of this, you know? So the thing is, it's an anthology show. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they've created a theme or a season arc in an anthology show. And it's exploring one aspect of the Twilight Zone, you know, the message. And I do wonder whether this is saying, okay, we've explored that aspect of it. Next season, it is going to be a bit more fantastical. It is going to be a bit different. I guess time will tell on that, you know, because if the first episode of the next season's about, you know, Russia or something, I'm going to, oh, God damn it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know, but... Let me let me read something that uh, someone sent sent to me on Patreon. Yes, please. A gentleman called Wes, and it probably crystallizes in a couple of paragraphs. Something that it'd take me twenty to say. He he sent me a post that he'd seen on Reddit, and the person says, "Not sure why everyone is saying they don't get it or that it was nonsense. I thought it was pretty clear." Obviously, at face value, it's an episode about a writer for The Twilight Zone being haunted by the legacy of the show. She's literally being followed by the ghost of Rod Serling. But it goes a level further than this. The writer talks to Jordan early in the episode about how The Twilight Zone wasn't just childish sci-fi and campfire stories, but provided a deeper message about human nature or society. However, Rod's narration at the end of the episode says that everything she thought she knew was wrong, that when we move on from childlike things, we actually close our eyes. The episode is about allowing yourself to embrace your childlike imagination and also your childlike fears. 
The episode uses a simple scary monster, lots of jump scares and other horror tropes to drive this home. The idea is that you can have an interesting underlying message while also just simply getting lost in the horror and mystery of the Twilight Zone. This is how we all enjoyed the show as children and we still can. So thank you, Wes, for sending that over. So so that part of it, I think, are, are we pretty much in agreement on? Sure. That That's what it's saying. Yes, but then again, where is that childlike wonder in these nine episodes? I think that's the arc that the season has been focusing maybe a bit more on the message. And it's taken Rod Serling to come back and say, no, 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 hold on a minute. We've got some work to do now. You've got some things to learn. And I'm going to show you how it's done. I don't know. I just, something like that, just again, okay, I liked this episode a lot. It's just this Mm. trying to figure out this message. And honestly, that's been my problem with the season so far. Like I've I've had a problem with every episode except for one, you know, Mm -hmm. various degrees of types of problems. And my problem usually comes when they're trying to tell me what the moral of the story is. You know, I look back at the, at the Twilight Zone and I'm watching it with Aubrey. And, you know, when I watched it for the first time, I was watching it as this classic show. The very first time I went through it, this is a classic show. I'm exposing myself to it for the first time. And I'm captivated by the acting, by the writing, by the messages, by the ability for them to take a science fiction concept and address a relevant topic. That's how Mm. I watch The Twilight Zone, right? And that's, to me, what science fiction does best. And I understand not every episode of The Twilight Zone was science fiction. There was westerns, there was comedies, there was dramas, there was all sorts of things. But that's also the benefit of an anthology show, right? Uh The benefit of an anthology show is being able to address different topics all the time, okay? And put them in some type of fantastical element, because again, there's always one fantastical element, at least in all of the Twilight Zone episodes, something that we have to suspend our disbelief on. And that's Mm -hmm. okay, because we're watching fiction, okay? But, you know, like this, this childlike wonder that I've had... You know, I don't necessarily watch it through that lens, mm-hmm. but I you can't watch right now through a childlike lens. You know, I watch with Aubrey, and I, I'm I'm aware of what's going on. We've addressed the language. She's eight, okay? I watch the show with uh-huh. my kids. I watch Star Trek Discovery with her. These are probably a little bit too mature with her, but we do have a conversation. I watch them ahead of time, and I say, look, you may see this, and I want to talk to you about it ahead of time so that you're prepared for it. Good. Because when I was a kid, my mom and I watched scary shows all the time, mm-hmm. right? She didn't prep us for them. We would just watch them. And I know that I watched Freddy Krueger way too young. And I'm not going to expose my daughter to that because that's a bit too much. But I want her to expose these things because these are challenging topics to address. You know, and these are like the original Twilight Zone is a perfect show for a child to get into these topics. And I don't think that the newest one is. So if they took a whole season to say... It's not just about the message, then I don't understand why they're writing this. I mean, I talk about Star Trek Discovery all the time, and I've got a lot of problems with the writing on Star Trek Discovery. And in this day and age, when you're coming at a show with a season-long arc and something that you want to get to by the end of the discussion, then you shouldn't have all these missteps along the way. I love Star Trek Discovery. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I think they stumble a lot along the way. And to me, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be stumbling. If you have a plan, why are you tripping along the way? And for them to take 10 episodes in the Twilight Zone to talk about these 
controversial topics, which is okay for the Twilight Zone to do, to address them in a controversial way, which means a grown-up way, right, to, like, a, a lot of people have nostalgia for this because they watched them as children, um, to get to the 10th episode and say we've been doing it wrong and next season we'll do it again? I don't... I, I see what you're saying, uh, and to a degree, you can kind of take the show like that, that Rod Sailing saying you, you've got it wrong, but I, I just kind of see it as building an arc into into mm-hmm. the show. And I, and I spoke before about them maybe having a plan and having a theme. And I, and I think in this in this time where every show, you, you can't watch one episode of anything these days because it's it's part of a bigger arc. I think they've kind of tried to create an arc within the show for the first season. And I personally really dig the stories that they've been telling but it's unmistakable that they are adult orientated stories you know Mm -hmm. that's that's definitely the thing but I I think there's also an aspect of the kind of when Sophie was approaching Rod near the end and she's saying you know nothing I ever do is good enough did I learn the wrong lessons you know it just reminds me of the whole conversation around this you know that everyone's take on it is different it's too on the nose the message is too upfront, and it is strange because it's almost like they predicted that people would be saying this mm-hmm. and built that into the show and is that kind of where you're struggling on it that it's really difficult to to get your head around why they would do that yeah i i kind of think so i mean like when we talk about the original twilight zone like again maybe i missed something but the only time i can think of rod serling pounding something on the head right, is when he's like, Nazis are bad, right? Because, mm. like, any episode that had Nazis in it, he's like, Nazis are bad and terrible people, right? And everything else um, everything else is, like, their subtle messages. So I'll, I'll tell you where I thought they were going with the message. And as this mm. message in what I thought they were doing was unfolding in my head, I'm like, this is some brilliant next-level stuff. Okay, so what I was interpreting this episode up to the point of the reveal of it's Rod Serling the whole time, I thought the blurry man was going to be her. Right. Okay? okay. And in my in my opinion, what I thought they were going with the episode was if you feel attacked, if you feel angry, if you feel upset by what you're seeing in the Twilight Zone, it's because you see a shadow of yourself in the episode. Right. Okay. And I'm like whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> and then they didn't do that. And I'm like, okay, so I don't know. Because, I don't know, that's where I thought they were going and it didn't go there. And I'm like, oh, no, that's too bad. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I don't have a problem with it. I thought people were going to freak out when they when they showed Rod Serling at the end for multiple reasons. Oh, it's CG. Well, of course it is because the guy's dead, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not his voice. Well, of course it's not because he's dead, right? I mean, I thought people were going to freak out. Oh, Rod Serling would never want to be a part of this garbage show. Like, that's the, that's the trash that you hear on social media. And, you know, yeah. I've actually found it that... And I and I, I say this in my discovery fandom as well. Is fandom is a terrible place to be right now, and it's honestly it's not because of the trolls and the haters. Because honestly, those people are easy to just disregard and not take seriously. Because there are going to be people who hate what you hate for the sole or hate what you love for the sole reason that it's not what they love, and they're just going to hate it for no reason. Hmm. I find it harder. 
to filter out the people who love the show because the people who love these shows are having a tougher time handling any critical analysis of the show that they love. They're sitting there, they're crying left and right, saying this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And as soon as you try and bring up some type of critical analysis, like, again, I love this show. I don't hate this episode. But I'm, we're critically discussing the message that they're talking about. It doesn't mean I hate this show. But as soon as you bring mm -hmm. up things like this, they're like, what do you know? You you can't write stuff like this. Oh, you know, this is, you're being silly and you shouldn't let these things bother you. And it, those are the tougher people to filter out. You know, it's like, that's mm -hmm. kind of why there's two extremes to fandom. You know, and so many people find themselves in the middle and aren't able to talk about it. So uh -huh. that's kind of, I don't, I don't even know where I was kind of going with that. It was just a tangent that I just took and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, the, the fan experience uh, throughout this new show, and I don't want to get into it too much. There's it, definitely been a factor and I know, and I know what you're saying completely. Mm -hmm. um, and when Sophie was approaching Rod near the end, and maybe I'm reading into it something that isn't there. There's been all this talk, is it like the Twilight Zone? Is it not like the Twilight Zone? And she's kind of like, whatever I do is, is never going to be good enough. I'm not one to speak for Rod Sailing. I, I guess only his family can really do that, you know, but I've read a lot about the man, obviously. I've seen a lot of Twilight Zone. I would like to think I have a general idea of, of who he was. And I do think the way some people have conducted themselves in this defense, in quotations, of the original Twilight Zone is so at odds with what Rod Sailing would have said or done or acted like. The thing is, I really don't mind if people don't like the new Twilight Zone. It's, it's always going to happen like that. It's, it's to be expected. And I've complete respect for anyone who says, you know, the original Twilight Zone is the beginning and, and the end of it for me. I respect that point of view because it, it was such a unique combination of elements. Mm -hmm. But I just don't understand the need to go onto social media every week and, and bang that drum. You know, I really don't. Oh, okay, so I want to interrupt you with that there, Tom, because that that's an interesting thing as well, is if this writer is saying, I can never live up to it and I can never be this perfect, then to me, the writers are listening to the wrong people, okay? Because I can see Rod Serling in every single one of these episodes. I don't, mm. there are episodes that I have issues with, there are parts of the episodes that I have issues with, but I've enjoyed every single episode of the show that I've watched, right? And I think that the people that are saying that they can't, they've done a great job of living up to what the Twilight Zone is. Mm -hmm. This show is the Twilight Zone. It is the next level of the Twilight Zone. Every single episode in this season is better than every single episode of the 80s Twilight Zone. Okay, mm -hmm. so like this is really good stuff that's here. And you, social media blowback nowadays, it's insane how powerful it is. I mean, you, did you, you saw what happened with the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, right? Yeah. Okay, people are yeah. listening to the wrong people. There will always be loud haters, but everybody needs to learn to stop listening to those people because you mm. can't take those people seriously. There will always be people that hate something simply for the fact of hating it. Mm. How many of these people that were, were 
shitting all over t uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's teeth. How many of those people do you think actually care? Or do you think yeah. they just wanted to jump on the bandwagon and piss all over it? Because that's uh -huh. what people like to do on social media. Just yeah. ignore the trolls. Don't interact with them. Just disregard them because you're always going to have that aspect. Okay? It's just, I can't believe how many people waste their time with these trolls. I interact with people in Discovery all the time, and they're like, this person, this, this person's going to Vegas. I can't believe they hate it. Why are they getting people to pay to them to go to the Star Trek convention? Just don't, don't respond to them. You're never going to convince them to change their mind. Never. And you don't have to live up to those people. The writers of this show do not need to justify what they are doing to these people. Because these are terrible people. They are. And I, I completely agree because, you know, I've fallen prey to these people through this run, you know, and, and it's... It's hard. It's hard, Tom. It, it is. It is because, you know, this, this is a one-man operation. I do it on my own. You know, people like you help out and stuff by coming on the show, you know. And I, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent about it, but it, it has taken a bit of the fun out of doing this for me because... You know, you've been listening for years. I average maybe two shows a month, sometimes even less mm -hmm. if I'm busy. So in the 10 weeks that The Twilight Zone would have been on, I, I would have done five episodes of, you know, if I was on my usual pace, looking mm -hmm. at the original show. Now, even doing the new Twilight Zone, I've done two classic episode shows. I did the reading of the after, uh, not the after hours, four o'clock and the episode looking at four o'clock. So in that two and a half months period, people were missing three episodes, you know, just three episodes. And yet I've still been slated for it, you know, all over the place. To be honest, I'm not going to give the people the time of day who said it, but I, I read something particularly nasty yesterday and it was just like, mm. why do I bother, you know? Yeah. But that, sorry, I'm sort of getting off track here, but it, no, it has. It's, it's important, Tom. It's important to address these things because I've been there. I was there with season one of Star Trek Discovery, right? Mm. And, you know, I was doing the same things that I'm doing here where I'm critically analyzing the show and I've got people left and right complaining to me that I hate the show. And it's like, you're not listening to me if you think I hate the show. You're really not listening to me at mm -hmm. all, right? And the only advice that I can give you is just delete those emails immediately. That's what I had to do. It took me a time to get there. And every once yeah. in a while, I still get agitated where I'm like, F you, and I want to respond. Mm -hmm. And I do my best to not because it's just a trap, right? Yeah. It's a negative trap that they just want to get you sucked into. And it's hard to do when you're focusing on something new and you have this extremely loud group of people attacking mm -hmm. things left and right. It's hard because that's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You've got, you've got thousands of listeners who like what you're doing and they don't comment. They don't feedback, but they're liking what you're doing. And the writers all, of all genres, the, I can't believe that Sony gave into a social media uproar about, about Sonic the Hedgehog's teeth. To me, that sets yeah. a precedent in fandom that I'm frightened about. I am frightened about that. Okay, that is, that is mind-boggling that social media now has the power to postpone a multi-million dollar film simply because of the teeth on a CGI character. That is mind-boggling. But as, as, a, as a member of this community, as your peer, 
it is hard because people love these shows and people hate these shows and you're stuck in the middle because you're getting both of it. It is draining. That's why I left mm. the edge on Star Trek on Trek FM is because I, I couldn't handle it at that time in my life. I had to leave the show. I'm like, I just can't do it, you know? Um, so you're brave for sticking through it. You do your pace. If people can't understand that this is an event, this is new Twilight Zone, you have to be talking about this right now. If they can't understand that, well, that's their problem. Okay, because you will get back to the other stuff. You keep saying it. I'll get to it as soon as I can. Now that you're done, you're going to get back to it. I don't know. Like, so, and, and that's the writers of this episode. They don't need to be listening to that negative social media feedback. They are doing a great job of the Twilight Zone now. They're doing a great job. They've got it. I appreciate that, Brandon. Thank you, man. I think my point was that even the, the more moderate fans in the way we kind of pick things apart. Is there any episode of this season? And again, I can't speak for Rod Sailing. I can't do that, but I'd like to think I at least have a measure of the man, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there any episode of this season where you think Rod Sailing would be horrified that it was made? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, he would have his notes. He might say, yeah, well, I'd have done this a little differently. I'd have done that a little differently. See, it's tough because TV is so different nowadays than it was in the 50s and the 60s. It's so different. But I think I'm talking about the, the sort of bigger issue of it, the, the sort of, well, Rod wouldn't do this, Rod wouldn't do that, Rod, Rod would be outraged. There's nothing in this show that I think Rod Sailing would be outraged at. Bless him, if he'd have lived as long as it, he would have needed to see this, I just think he'd be pleased. I think he'd be pleased that, that writers are trying to follow his work, live up to his work, and do the best they can with, with something that he created. And, you know, obviously you can't please everyone. I don't think there's a writer of this, this new Twilight Zone who wouldn't acknowledge the fact that sailing is hard to live up to. But I think, mm -hmm. think about the man. Think of what he was about and I think that him at the end of this was a, a fair representation of, of the kindness he would show to these writers rather than the, the sort of anger that is out there, you know? Yes. As far as the morals and stuff, or the, uh, the themes of the episodes and the topics they addressed, I don't think there's any one of these topics that Rod would have said, no, we shouldn't do this, because mm -hmm. Rod was always about dealing with the hard topics and dealing with the hard discussions. Every topic that's addressed in these, I think is a valid topic and they're all topics that need to be spoken of, right? All of these episodes are topics that need to be addressed and need to be brought to the spotlight. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I liked the ending of Rod saying, look, you're welcome here. You're a part of the Twilight Zone. You're welcome. Because mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I believe he would greet these people with open arms and he would be, I think he would be I think you'd be honored with what they've done with the show. I think this is, I haven't seen the 2000 series one, but um, I, I think he would have been just fine with what they, what these 10 episodes were. So, you know, ah, uh, it's. It, it's sad that, that this experience has kind of been tainted a little by that. I, I was unprepared for it. I don't want to dwell on it particularly. I think you start to let these people get to you and, and it's kind of what they, they want really. But let, let's steer this back on, on course. Mm. Um, 
I knew it was going to be Rod Serling pretty much from the moment I saw the Blairy Man because... Zach said that too. I did not see that coming. I did not (laughs) see it coming at all. (laughs) It was more of a question of how far are they going to go with this, you know? What What I was not expecting was how far they went with it mm. um so you're sitting you're watching the episode rod steps out into the light what what are your thoughts i'm like oh wow this is brave this that's a brave choice and i <laughs> applaud them for it and again i think it's great you know like you you can't have him so you gotta you gotta get a lookalike and then you know cg up it a bit to make it look even more i'm just wondering how they did his voice that was Mark Silverman. He is um he's the guy who did the voice on the Tower of Terror ride. Okay. You know that I don't know whether you've ever seen the kind of video uh they do of sailing. He he introduces the Tower of Terror and they use clips from like I think it's it's a good life mm. and but they just change it to fit the Tower of Terror. But Mark Silverman is like probably considered the greatest sailing um impersonator in the okay world. yeah that's good because they, they it sound it it sounded like him you know obviously it didn't sound exactly like him but i'm like this is a pretty mm-hmm. damn good job right and you know they can only do so much right like they can't mm-hmm. go back in time and bring the guy you know and record him right because that's not plausible um i thought it was a brave choice i thought it was great uh i thought it looked great and i thought it was an awesome reveal because as i said i did not see it coming zach did mm-hmm. you did i didn't see it coming well, the thing is, I saw the Blairy Man being Rod Sailing, but I, I still didn't expect to be out in the light. You know, I figured it may be more like he'd he'd leave something for Sophie and you'd see him in shadows somewhere or there'd be something like that. But then when he steps out, CG is only so good, but I, I think it was enough. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was enough that I can go with the magic of it. But, you know, the thing that really got me, it wasn't even seeing him. It was when they turned around and walked through the door and we got one more Rod Sale in closing narration. Mm-hmm. I'm going to admit I, I choked up. I, I was choked up at that because, mm-hmm. let, let's face it, I think we all wish the Bewitching Pool wasn't the last ever Rod Sailing closing narration, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so even to to kind of have it done in this way, but with so much love, I think there's a lot of love in what they did here. I thought it was pretty beautiful, and it, and it was when he did the closing narration that it kicked in. That's the part that really got me, you know. Yeah, no, I I totally understand. Yeah, I loved that he was he was the one to do that narration, and also if she's representing the writers, the fact that he's reading what was written by the new writer because that's what Jordan Peele was starting to read for that one episode, right? Mm-hmm. And then Rod Serling was reading what she wrote, right? In that little sequence where she's where everything seemed okay and she gave Jordan Peele the writing, the narration, mm-hmm. he's like, this is good, this is really good. That's what Rod read at the very end of the episode. And I'm like, yes, he Rod's voice is reading what these new writers are writing. That's what they're saying mm-hmm. here. So, yes, they're saying that, that – and I agree that Rod would like what they were writing. So, I, yeah, I thought it was perfect. That was a great cap on it, a little cherry on top. I feel like we've gone all over the map on this one, but it's a very unique episode and, uh, you yeah, know, it is. a lot to process. I don't think I've even still fully processed it yet. I think for me, I'm probably going to take a step back from the new show, maybe until it comes out on Blu-ray and then just, you know, mm-hmm. run through it all again and 
now we know how it ends. See how much is layered in there. How many times did you watch them all? Most of the time, two. I've watched this one mm. three times. But, um, you know, so I think I'm going to give it a bit of breathing space. And uh, how about you? Mm-hmm. I watched all of them twice because I had to watch them all before I watched them with Aubrey and then Mm -hmm. just to be sure. And then I watched them all again. Um, Even though I didn't watch Not All Men with Aubrey, I did watch it again um, after I listened to your guys' discussion because I wanted to go back to it. You know, so yeah, I've I've seen all of them twice now. So So yeah, we've been a bit all over the map with this one, but is there anything you want to say on this before we kind of get to a couple of other bits of business? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Again, I like this episode a lot. Um, I still don't understand completely why Rod's throwing stuff at her. Um, You know, (laughs) I still don't quite understand Jordan Peele's little comment at the beginning where she's like, yeah, and Rod's in all the episodes. And then Jordan Peele's like, until now. And I'm like, well, I, that didn't quite ring true because I don't think Jordan Peele, Peele would get defensive of it, especially when the end of the episode is like, Rod Serling was here all along. I don't know. So I didn't like that line, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I was as soon as they did that with the episode, I'm like, I was in. I was hooked. I was like, this is great. This is taking place in the real world. Thumbs up. I'm pleased with it. You know, it wasn't what I was expecting, but to have the whole season have a twist end. And I think that was... That was pretty cool, pretty cool, and and, and something we've, although it has shades of a world of its own, it's still something that we've never really seen before. So yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. pleased with this one. Pretty pleased. Can we talk about how they're going to go black and white now? Do, like, what do you think about that? Because I don't think it's necessary, right? Well, I'm just wondering what your thoughts on the fact that they're going to release the whole season now. And I, I think as of this recording, it's already out um, that they've released them all as black and white. What are your thoughts on that? Like you, it's not something that I really needed. I was never the this needs to be in black and white guy anyway. I just wanted it to be a prestige show, which it is. Um so I was I'm completely happy with it in that regard. Um but you know it's a nice it's a nice novelty. I watched this one in black and white the second time I watched it. And I can't say it it done a huge amount for me to see it in black and white, but you know it's fine. It'd be nice if it was under Blu-rays to, to check out, but I'm happy with this being of its time, you know, I, I didn't really need the black and white, but it's fine that it's there. What about you? See, I don't, I, I don't know. There's two episodes that I think, I think it's going to detract from. Like I said in my feedback, I think it's going to detract from Point of Origin because blue is hmm. so predominant in that, and they've got the black and white sequences. And this with that, with that thing at the end where she actually goes black and white, like that, that'll take away that reveal. Yeah. You know, that'll take away that change in tone of the episode. So I can't see it adding anything. And I can only, again, I can only surmise that they're handling the blowback from the people by saying it should be in black and white because that's what the Twilight Zone is. Hmm. But it's not, the Twilight Zone is not just because it's black and white. It's the Twilight Zone. I mean, I go back to those six episodes in season two of the Twilight Zone that were filmed on video. Like, I mean, hmm. those are in black and white, but they don't quite feel like the Twilight Zone because they feel like stage productions. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. part of what what is interesting about film of that time is, yes, it's in black and white, but it's also it's filmed on film, you know, and film has a feel. It's got a grain. It's got a look that you can't really capture with digital. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these were these things were filmed digitally. And so even when it went to black and white at the end of it, it didn't that didn't make it feel like a Twilight Zone episode. Because it, it yeah. didn't look like a black and white Twilight Zone episode. It looked like a modern film in black and white. 
So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that it's necessary. I'm not going to rush out to watch them in black and white. I will buy this on Blu-ray, and if they are all in black and white on Blu-ray, I will watch them all in black and white. But I don't think it's a necessary choice that they needed to do. You know, it's it's nice for those people, I guess. But like mm-hmm. like you, I don't think it's particularly necessary. But why not? Why not? Mm. So the season as a whole, Brandon, have you? I don't know what you want to do, a top five, or you want to rank them. Have you even given any thought? Oh boy, have I given this some thought? <laughs> wow, you you got a you got a a PowerPoint presentation yes. going. Okay, I've I've actually ranked the ten. So I don't know if you have a list of your ten ranked, but I've got a rank to the ten. Uh, and you know, because the thing is with my top five, and I, I I've been messaging back and forth with a few friends who are also watching the show, and I purposely kept this away from you so that we could discuss it on air. Is uh-huh. my top five are basically interchangeable. Like, they're all five of them are so good that any one of them could be the top one. Like, it's splitting hairs to be ranking these in, to put put one of these at position five is really splitting hairs. Mm -hmm. You know, so the ones below that, um, again, it's not that I didn't like the episode. Like, I mentioned, you and I were talking back and forth, the Wonderkin, I think I even said in the feedback, the Wonderkin, the only reason I didn't like it is because the concept is so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't get past it. Right? I mean, I liked the production and I liked the episode. It's just that's where it fell short for me. So so you yeah. tell me if you want top five or all ten. Man, if you've done ten, you go for it, man. Talk your way through it. I don't mind at all. Go for it. Okay. So I'm going to put a small caveat on this in that I think there's only one perfect episode of this show where I didn't have a single problem with anything in the episode, and it's my number two episode. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right. And even so, and I think that's an interesting thing about fandom as well. I know that we keep coming back to this. It's like, if people have a problem with something, people tend to think that that's like a be all end all for the episode. I loved it until this, therefore not good. Like my number one episode I had problems with, but it's still my favorite episode. And those little problems Mm -hmm. don't detract from my enjoyment of it. Right. Uh They're just issues that maybe things that I wouldn't have done. So, so my number two episode in this list, I think is a perfect episode. I don't have a single problem with it and I wouldn't change a second of the film. So number one, I got the blue scorpion. I just, I truly love that episode. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, six degrees of freedom is my number two Mm. replay. Number three point of origin. Number four and a traveler is number five. And so I loved these five episodes. And again, depending probably which one was the last one that I watched, those could shuffle around at any time. I think those Mm -hmm. five are absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet would be next, then Blurry Man, then Not All Men, Mm -hmm. then The Comedian, and then The Wonderkind in the end. And again, it's not that he didn't like the episodes. I mean, we talked about The Blurry Man just now. Um that I would have chopped off the last couple of minutes of a couple of these episodes. You know, that's the only reason that they would be a little bit lower for me. Comedian, I still think is kind of boring. It's too long for the episode that it was. And that's why it goes so down on the list for me. I still Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Um, And then again, you know, not all men. I just, I, I, the moral, and I'm glad that I watched it again after you guys talked about it. But as you guys said in the episode, I've never once felt the need to go online in response to a Me Too comment and say, not all men. I've never once felt the need to do that. Uh-huh. At the end of this episode, I felt the need to do that because they blatantly said, not all men? Yes, all men. And I'm like, like you said in the episode, you're watching along and you're like, yes, I agree. I agree. This is an extremely important topic that needs to be addressed and you're doing it in a really great way. 
oh, you're telling me that every man has to make this choice? Well, I don't think that's true because I don't have to make that choice on a daily basis. I just don't treat people like garbage, you know, like I'm going to, I don't know, like, yeah. So uh, that's, <laughs> it's just that, that was, other than that, though, the episode is great. It's well done. It's well acted. It's everything. And, and I don't know. So that's the only thing. But again, that doesn't make it not Twilight Zone. I'll go with my 10 then, but I'll preface it with that there's not an episode of this that I haven't enjoyed, you know? Obviously, something's got to come number 10. So I'll, I'll just talk through it. You know, my number, my, my 10, my rankings aren't that different from yours, to be honest. There's just a couple here and there that are out of place, but I'll go from 10 to 1. Number 10 was the Wonderkind for me. You know, I really enjoyed the aspect of showing us the kind of machinery behind getting someone elected and and how dishonest that process is. Um, So uh, I I enjoyed it on that aspect. But anyway, uh, number nine would be Point of Origin. Number eight is Not All Men. Uh, Number seven, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. And considering how much I raved about that when we first reviewed it, the fact that it's seven out of ten shows you how how much regard I have for the, the ser- series, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I felt the same way when I was making my list. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize, this is pretty far down. I think it's number six on my list. I'm like, for it to be number six on my list, and uh-huh. I, we loved it when we talked about it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, number six, I'm going to go with Blairy Man, because even though I, I loved the sort of emotion of the ending and, and what they did with it, maybe not as satisfying as a whole episode as some of the others. You know, that bit in the middle where she's just kind of running away all the time, maybe dragged on a little bit for me. Now, number five is The Comedian. I've never thought The Comedian was too long. I've always been quite happy with that one, and I I loved it from when I saw it. Number four is such a surprise for me, A Traveller. Considering when I first watched these, that was quite low down for me, but on rewatch and and getting to appreciate it a bit more, plus it's one of the more visually stunning episodes, I think. Mm. For some strange reason, it's just climbed the list for me. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. The number three, I'm going with Replay, just a really good, solid Twilight Zone, I think. Uh, number two, The Blue Scorpion. I adore that episode. I think mm. it's absolutely fantastic. And then number one, Six Degrees of Freedom. Mm-hmm. So Glenn Morgan is uh, one, two, and four on my list for, for writers. So not not bad going, not bad going at all. Yeah, he was always good. Him and Glenn Morgan and James Wong did some really great stuff when they were on the X-Files. You know, mm-hmm. what they did with season two of Millennium was really great. I think that's one of the best te- seasons of television. You know, mm-hmm. season two of Millennium, there's some really great stuff in there. Um, Space Above and Beyond is a classic television show. You know, um, I I thought it was really great. Um, the, you know, w- what I like about this being in Vancouver and having these people involved is it's kind of fun for me and my fandom of my teenage years is I'm mm. seeing a lot of X-Files people in the show, you know, <laughs> like um, uh, James Morrison, right? He did the voice of the guy on the phone in the blue scorpion you know he mm. was uh he was on space above and beyond as a main character uh in the blue scorpion when they had the guy that represented the gun when he walks into the room and there's that man in the shadows like that guy was on tons of the of the darren morgan episodes of right. uh of the x-files he played the he, he always showed up he, in humbug he was the uh the guy that had the museum with the melted face you know, like he was, so he was always showing up on the X-Files. Um, we saw Karen Carnival in, um, 
that I'd mentioned in the uh, Point of Origin episode. She played a couple characters on the X-Files. So it was really fun to see all these Canadian people in it. And, you know, recognize Canadian filming locations. I love filming in Vancouver. I love the, mm-hmm. the mood and the atmosphere that filming in Vancouver and, and in British Columbia can give you on your shows. Because, again, that's X-Files for me too, right? So Absolutely. So... Season two, man. Well, what would you like to see in season two? Less swearing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that's that's a big thing for me. It's 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 mm. not necessary in a show like this. Uh, you look at look at any episode of the original Twilight Zone and drop a bunch of f bombs in it and tell me it made it better. I don't know. Like it's just it doesn't need to be there. You just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. I don't know. So. I don't know. There's, there's a couple of episodes of this. The Blue Scorpion was didn't. Yeah, it, that didn't bother me because to me the swearing in that fit. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but I do think there's a couple where it's like, yeah, I, I can see why it's in there. But okay, in terms of what you want to see in other aspects, anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly. I don't, I don't even want to predict because this show is in the hands of these writers and they are doing a great job. I w- okay, mm-hmm. I guess if I would like to see something, I want to see a Western. Okay, I mm-hmm. love Westerns. I would like to see them do an episode that's a Western. If they had, uh, if they decided maybe once a year they want to do like a modern remake of an original episode, then I would love to see some of the classic ones be done again. Um, you know, like it, I would like to see a modern take on uh, my favorite episode of the original Twilight Zone, uh, which is the Midnight Sun. Let's take a look at that one, but modernize it with... Um, with a environmental message, right? And global mm-hmm. warming and, and climate change. Let's, let's change that up a little bit, you know? So uh, something like that, I think would be really cool, but hands down, I want to see a Western because some of the best Twilight Zone ones were, were ones that took place in the West with a beautiful uh-huh. Western score, that harmonica playing, you know, it just created such a wonderful tone. So I w- please, if you're listening, listeners, give us a Western. So I told Tom, I said, Tom, we should write a Western for the new Twilight Zone. <laughs> I agree in that it would be nice to see some of these things that the Twilight Zone often did now. A um, bit more in space, you know, those kind of things. And I've never had an issue with all of these having, well, pretty much all of them having some sort of social aspect to them. That's never been my problem with this. But mm-hmm. I, I do kind of sense that there are there are some people who, even if they agree with the messages are still getting a bit of message fatigue. So I don't think it would hurt the show to maybe look at other aspects of the Twilight Zone. And I, and I do wonder if, if that is the point of this ending of season one, where they're saying, okay, we've looked at this aspect of the Twilight Zone now. Now we're going to maybe add a bit more wonder to it. I don't think that would be a bad mm-hmm. thing at all. I'd also like to see something like Shadow Play. You know, is there a message to Shadow Play? I don't know, but it just fractures your mind, you know. Um, an episode like that that is purely, sometimes the, the Twilight Zone would just freak you out, you know, mirror image, those episodes that are just there to freak you out. I wouldn't mind seeing one or two of those as well. Okay, well, that is our Twilight Zone coverage for this, this new season. And, you know, I have to say, it's better than I ever thought a new Twilight Zone could be you know we we all come into this with trepidation uh, can they really pull this off i'm really pleased i think i'm glad it's back mm. if it doesn't work for people 
that's unfortunate. I'm sorry they can't have this experience. But for me, it's been a great experience. I've looked forward to sitting down and watching a new Twilight Zone every week and seeing what they've got for me. We won't get into the other aspects of it. Unfortunately, that seems to be part of being a fan these days that is very sad. But, you know, as long as people like me and you and the friends of the show, the real friends of the show, kind of stick together and keep our level heads on these things, then hopefully we'll we'll win the day, you know? I think you've done a great job. I'm so looking forward to season two. Um, I, I think they're, it's in the right hands. I think they're doing a great job, you know, and it's, it's better than I could have hoped for too. I mean, I don't know, people that are just, yeah, friends of the show, there's, there's more people than you know that like this. And, uh, you know, I, I commented on the final post on the Facebook page for the Twilight Zone, uh, the show. And I said, look, here's mm. my rankings. Uh, you know, I got some problems with some other things. If you want to interact with me and tell me about the things you like, then let's talk. If you just want to rage hate this show, I don't even want to hear from you because I don't. I just mm-hmm. don't want to hear about people that rage hate this show because you're not adding anything productive to the discussion. You know, so I just, it, those people are so easy to tune out now that it's like, um, it's... It's made social media a better place when you realize that it's not doing anything. You're never going to change your minds. So fandom, yeah. take, take heed, take note. Okay. All right. Well, the listener feedback show is if you get your thoughts in by the 2nd of June, this will go out on the 1st of June. I've already had some in. I haven't listened to any yet. I wanted to kind of stay fresh on it while we spoke. But um, Brandon, you've been a regular now, but where can people get hold of you if they want to? Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, um, you can find me at Branded Metella. Uh, if you want to hear some more ramblings on some podcasts, uh, my friends Chris and Tom and I, we do a podcast called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, uh, where we go over uh, all of the movies one at a time. And coming out next week, I'm very excited for it. Um, we've got film critic Farron Nemey to come on to talk about The Lady Vanishes, and that's going to be released next week. And it's a really wonderful discussion, and we're very honored to have her on the show. Uh, to talk about one of Hitchcock's early British masterpieces. Um, Mm -hmm. So that'll be out on Friday, uh, if you guys want to listen to that one on our feed. Um, You can find me over on Trek FM talking about Star Trek Enterprise on Warp 5 with my friend Patrick. Once a month, I do a Melodic Treks episode on the music of Star Trek. Um, My next episode, I'm going to have a friend, Carl Wonders, come on to talk about the music of Aliens, because we we once in a while go on tangents and we talk about music by Star Trek composers, but not their Star Trek work. Um, Yeah, and I guess that's pretty... Oh, and then uh, Zach Moore and I, we have a show called Franchise Fatigue, where we're talking about all the films of uh, movie franchises. And coming out Wednesday, uh, we're going to have our first episode on Toy Story, and because uh, that's leading up to Toy Story Four, so this is our first attempt at tackling a you know children's entertainment, um, mm-hmm. you know. And the, the one complaint I have about Toy Story is there's just definitely not enough f bombs in that movie. <laughs> could use a couple more. It really could. It really <laughs> could. Um, okay. Well, that apart from the listener feedback show, and I know not everyone tunes into those. Some people just tune into this one. This is the end of our Twilight Zone 2019 coverage. Now, if you are new to the show. Because of Twilight Zone 2019, what I generally do, this is usually a solo podcast where I go through each of the classic episodes, I review them, have a bit of trivia, a couple of clips from the episodes, and go through them that way. There's still chances for interaction and stuff, but it's a different format from this. 
Now, it's not a weekly show because those episodes take a lot to put together. I think regular listeners are used to it being an as-and-when show. I tend to average maybe two episodes a month. Sometimes if life is busy, it's less, but a lot goes into them, so they do take a long time to put together. So if you came for the new Twilight Zone, I hope you stick around for classic Twilight Zone. But maybe while you're waiting for the next one, because I'll probably take maybe a few weeks off after doing this um go back into the archives you know it's i feel that it's a podcast that started out very simply just this guy in liverpool turning on his microphone putting a few thoughts on but the show evolved and it developed over time and i think it got a lot better so you know if you check out the first episode please stick with it or maybe check out something more recent to see what it's become and uh, and hopefully you enjoy it so Mm-hmm. Brandon, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm I'm honored to be on your show, and uh, it's it's a blast. You've done a great job. I'm just glad that you're going back to the old Twilight Zone because I was just about to give you a one star review on iTunes. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first, man. You wouldn't be the first. Okay, so that's. I'm just tease. I just tease. No, it's been it's been great. I I'm so thrilled that you had me on twice. It's been a blast. They were two really good discussions that we had, and um, I'm I'm. Bring me back for season two. I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. Let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't do it without you, man. Okay. So that's enough for the Twilight Zone podcast, and I will speak to you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>